0: a brand new year coming at us. And we don't know what it looks like. Yeah, there's a brand new road for walking and we don't know how it ends. So we're gathered here this morning with the fearful and the faithful. We'll face this year together as a community, of friends. All oh, this journey that we're walking will have times of toil and trouble. There'll be grace, and there'll be goodness. And there'll be renewal and good rest. So put on your gospel shoes, my friends, and we'll walk this road together. The answer to this riddle will be our constant. behind Losing leads to finding That's all that I can say No one will find life another way Words in the bulletin Singing with me now I said Finding leads to losing Losing lets you find to die
1: I wanna invite all the young and young at heart to come up and join us on the blanket. I can move over here. All right. Hello. So happy new year, everyone. Did did anybody celebrate the beginning of 2020 with anything special? Yeah. Maybe see fireworks, go to a New Year's party. I saw fireworks. Yeah, yeah. New Year's party. New Year's party? Okay, good, good. So this weekend, we are celebrating Lunar New Year. Um, which is a holiday celebrated in lots of countries in Asia and, of course, here in New York. Um, And so according to the Chinese zodiac, this is the beginning of the year of the rat. (laughs) (laughs) So there are 12 animals, and we cycle through the different animals. Is anyone turning 12 this year? Oh, so... It's going to be your year. Um, So the rat is, we don't love rats in New York, but the rat is a very special animal uh, that symbolizes intelligence and cleverness and ambition. And there's a lot of stories about the Zodiac animals, but one of them is that uh, the Jade Emperor invited all of the animals to a party, and they had a race to see who would get there first. and the rat asked the ox for a ride across the river. And then as soon as they crossed the river, the rat jumped off of the ox's back and ran ahead and became the first animal in the Zodiac. So that's why the rat comes first. Um, do two of you guys want to share what year you were born in? Do you know what year you're born? Um, <laughs> Not sure. Almost four, 2016, that would be the monkey, yeah, (laughs) which would make you versatile, brave and gifted, right, (laughs) all right, and I am, someone else who knows?
2: March 21st.
1: All right. Uh, It's 2015. Okay, nice. So that's the year of the ram. I'm also born in the year of the ram. Um, Generous, frugal, and tolerant, (laughs) which comes and goes sometimes. Um, So uh, there's another list in the back so we can look up. More birthdays later. Uh, now, a standard greeting for Lunar New Year is to say "Gong Gong fa choy." Do you guys want to practice saying that? Gong hei. fa choy. Great. Do you guys want to stand it up and say for our prayer today? Turn around and face the congregation. Maybe turn around and face everybody. Just go the other direction. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ready? Gong Hei. Gong Hei. Fa Choi. Fa Choi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Now, why don't we sing? Let's sing Sia Hamba and go back to our seats.
3: Good morning again, everyone, and welcome to Middle Church as we are celebrating Lunar New Year. So glad that you're here. My name is Amanda. I'm one of the pastors here. And on behalf of Jackie, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis and the Consistory, we're so happy that you decided to come to Middle and be with us today. There's a lot of things happening in the life of our church. We'll start with this afternoon. Um, At 4 o'clock, our gospel choir will be participating in an annual interfaith concert which brings together um, faith communities of the East Village called Spiritual Sounds. And it's a beautiful night. Uh, We will be at, let's see if I can open it up and and find it this time. We will be at the Church of the Most Holy Redeemer, Nativity Church on East 3rd, I believe. If you'd like to come and walk together, we'll be leaving from the social hall around 345. Hope that you can join us tonight for that wonderful um, event. There are many other things happening, including our um, congregational book read, which begins next Sunday. So I hope that you will open up the bulletin and find all the ways that you can get plugged into this life and this community. Speaking of this community, is anyone visiting with us today for the very first time? If so, I'd love for you just to raise your hand and keep it up for a minute so we can welcome you and say hello. We're so glad that you're here. Hi, welcome. Where are you visiting from? Hey, Louis. Welcome. How'd you find out about Middle Church? Woo! I just wanted a little shout out for you. And who else? We'll have their hand up here. Yeah. From Seattle. Welcome. Welcome. Anybody else over here that I missed? Hi. Where are you all visiting from? Paris. Good. Anybody in the balcony? And let's say hello to our online members that worship with us from all over the world every Sunday at 11.45, and Natalie, our digital minister, who's with them on all of our virtual platforms. So glad that you all are worshiping with us as well. Um, We also have some very special guests with us today. Um, First of all, you've already heard uh, Ken Miedema, who was, uh, yes, let's give it up for Ken. And Beverly, who's here with him as well. Ken is a um, critically acclaimed um, singer-songwriter phenomenon, and we are honored to have you here with us today, Ken. I grew up going to middle school church camp listening to Ken, so we, we go back a long time, and it's so good to hear you uh, in this space, which is also a part of my faith journey. Ken will be in concert tomorrow night at the Jackie... Um, Kennedy Onassis High School in Hell's Kitchen at 7 p.m., along with other Broadway performers. That's a free concert, so you'll want to join him at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. We also have a very special guest in our pulpit today, a friend of ours from Union Seminary, Dr. Sue Young Park. We're so glad that you are with us today. (laughs) Um, Dr. Pock is the person who coordinates all of our wonderful interns, like Monique and Vanessa, who come to us from Union. So we are very grateful for you. And now I would like to invite Darren, the chair of our consistory, up for one final announcement. Thank
4: you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, so I just want to take just a quick moment, because I know one of the things that is a big part of Middle Collegiate Church that sometimes we don't... Uh, Sometimes we unpack more or less is our public theology, and there's a couple things to that. You know, in one part, we you know, as a church, we want to grow this movement, this this beautiful community that we love so much. We want to grow it and attract people to come here. But also, I know so many people in this church, you know, they went, they came from elsewhere, whether it's geographically or a different church, where the the version of Christianity that we heard. Uh, was sometimes used in th- ways that feel unChrist-like, And in conversations that we've had over the last few years then, we've started talking about how can we reclaim and reframe Christianity all around the world. And so hearing those conversations, being in those conversations in this congregation, uh, the consistory a couple years ago rewrote Jackie's job description uh, to really put a big focus on what she'd already been doing already, which is public theology. And so I wanted to share with you a a piece of that public theology today that is particularly exciting. Uh, One of the ways that we grow this movement is when Jackie preaches elsewhere, because the words that we hear in this pulpit that attracted so many of us to make this our church home attracts other people. But also when that theology and that way of looking at Christianity is preached in pulpits all around the country and all around the world, it truly reframes and reclaims Christianity. Um, And so one of the beautiful things, and I'm just pulling up my notes because I want to make sure I get all the names right that has happened recently. I don't know if a lot of you have noticed, um, but we often have guests here from Paris, guests here from France. Um, And Jackie uh, was preaching at Princeton a little while back, and she was preaching at Princeton about race. And the senior minister of the American church in Paris was there. They had not uh, typically had a Black History Month celebration. It had not typically been something that they recognized, but they were really wanting to make that happen in Paris and in France. And they heard Jackie preach, and they saw what was happening at Middle Collegiate Church. And our senior minister, Jacqueline Lewis, was invited to preach three worships on February 2nd at the American church in Paris to kick off their Black History Month for the first time ever. And so there are going to be three worships that she'll be preaching on February 2nd as well as a lecture on February 4th. We'll be posting. There will be a link where you can stream it and like cheer on our amazing Jackie as she preaches our middle word in Paris and around the world. But I want you to know that what you have done and that what you have built here and this idea of what Christianity can be that Jackie preaches from this pulpit that is sung in our songs is being heard all around the world. And this is the work that so many of us needed years ago when it would have changed our life to have heard a different version of Christianity preached than the one that might have felt more limiting to us or even hurtful to us in the past. And that is what is going to happen all around the world on February 2nd. And that is what Jackie will continue to do, taking her charge from you. And I want to thank you all much. And I want to ask you give her another round of applause and send all the prayers and support this way.
2: Thank you, Darren, that's my chair, y'all. Thank you, love you, thank you. Um, I wanna welcome my uh, colleagues from Drew who are here for their public theology doctorate ministry program, Um, interloping here at Middle Church today, so welcome, y'all, we're glad you're here. Um, And this is the time in our community where we have a chance to take a breath and slow it down a bit and, and say prayers together. We know that when we, celebrate together, uh, we amplify joy, and we know that when we share our burdens, our burdens are lighter. So whatever you've brought in the room today, joy, feeling of burden, or anything in between, let us take it to our God who loves us in prayer. Uh, We'll take a deep breath, we'll be quiet for a sec, and then I'll lead us in a time of prayer. As you're getting yourself ready, you'll have a chance to pray with your feet during the offering. This red envelope is the Lunar New Year symbol that children get gifts in this envelope at New Year. And we are going to give children a gift in this envelope as we make a donation to the ongoing work in Puerto Rico. God of many names all of them holy we are so grateful for your creating amazing spirit in all of our diversity around ethnicity and nation, many colors, many creeds, our diverse experiences, the rituals that speak to each of us. God, you've created us diverse and complex, so we get to know more about your complex wonder, and we thank you. In this moment in time, as we turn our awareness to all of our friends who celebrate the Lunar New Year, we're thinking today, God of China, of protesters in Hong Kong who suffered in their pursuit of democracy and who will not rest until it comes. Of the folks working to free the one million Uyghur Muslims locked in prison camps, and of all the struggles of Chinese activism around the globe and here in the United States, where leaders like Wang Chin Fu organized Chinese Americans to fight against the Chinese Exclusion Act. God, we pray that this new year will bring freedom and liberty not only to our Asian siblings, but also God to our siblings in Puerto Rico who are once again traumatized by a quaking earth and shoddy infrastructure. We want to ask you God to come by here and go by there to touch and light the world on fire with grace and mercy and goodness. Every place where there is enmity and strife, God, send your blessing to heal your people and to make us all instruments of your peace. And for every individual in this room and all who are worshiping with us online, We have particular concerns about family and children and health and work and a world that we want to make whole. So give us spiritual rigor and patience and tenacity to work with you to tikkun alum to heal the world, God. Start with us in our hearts. Make us more loving, more whole, more generous. And then, God, make a ripple of love, a tsunami of love that changes our world into your reign. This is our prayer today. Asked in your powerful and holy names, amen, amen. Friends, I wanna ask you to continue to pray with me by standing up and holding hands with your neighbor or bumping elbows if you're not feeling well. It's not nice to say, I'm so sick, I love you. (laughs) And let's continue to pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, praying the way you learned it, the way you know it, the way it's comfortable to you and there's an inclusive version in the bulletin let us pray ever loving and holy god Amen. hallelujah why don't you pass the peace that surpasses understanding with your neighbors, greet the people around you, go by and say hello to one of our visitors. Peace be with you. Peace.
5: The world is
6: Today's gospel lesson is from the book of Matthew, chapter four, verses 12 to 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled land of Zebulun, land of, of Zabnaphali on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom And curing every disease and every sickness among the people. May God bless the reading of God's holy word. Amen. Happy New Year, everyone. It is so good to be here with you again, and I wish you a year of peace, justice, and love. Will you pray with me? In this season of beginnings and endings, losing and finding, living and dying, we pray for your wisdom, courage, and abiding presence. And order my steps, O God, as I speak to your faithful gathered here. In your holy name, amen. In 2017, the Asian Pacific Islanders Caucus at Union Theological Seminary created this particular liturgy to be enacted at the beginning of their worship services commissioning services and other public gatherings reimagining the genealogical account found in Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 16 they created their own genealogy Rooting themselves in the people and saints that have gone before them, this ritual was a witness to the continuing struggle for justice, as well as the passing and receiving of the baton that has been relayed from generation to generation. Their work for justice begins not with them, but with those who have walked the path before them, this liturgy does not trace a biological ancestry. Rather, it is shaped by socio-historical and political realities. Knitting an alternate kinship structure, the litany inserts and imagines a net of connections not constrained by time, space, location, or even DNA weaving together the names of Asian Pacific Islanders, activists, faculty, alums, and students into a radical kinship network, they name the political reality, political history, and locate themselves in this ongoing narrative of the justice work of Asian Pacific Islanders. And I want to read you an excerpt from this litany. Vietnamese and Cambodian refugees, the parents of Thich Han, and Korean comfort women, the mothers of Roy Sano, and Larry Itliong and Meryl Wu, the parents of Vincent Chin, and so forth, until Fred Korematsu, the father of Kosuke Koyama, and Grace Lee Boggs, the mother of Mineo Karagiri, and Mineo, the father of Yuri Kochiyama, and so on. They weave a radical kinship ancestry. This morning, we read a story from the Gospel of Matthew. And this Gospel begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And for 16 verses, it meticulously records 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus. In this account, the writer of Matthew traces Jesus' ancestry to King David as a way to claim Jesus as a long-awaited Messiah in the royal lineage, as well as to Abraham to indicate that he is an Israelite. By doing so, they recall the promises God made to Abraham and to David. And as the gospel is written in the shadow of the Roman Empire, it both mirrors and contests the imperial realities of that empire. This genealogy of Jesus traces authority through God's just purposes, unlike the genealogy of the emperor, which traces the authority through wealth, power, and elite status. In other words, For Jesus, the power comes not from Rome, but from God. It is in this context I turn to our gospel lesson today. This story is a well-known one about Jesus' first foray into ministry. Baptized by John the Baptist in chapter three. In the early part of chapter four, Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. After the wilderness, he begins to assemble his team of disciples. And walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus sees two brothers, Simon and Andrew, casting a net into the sea. And he commands, Come and follow me, and I will teach you to fish for people. And these two brothers leave their nets immediately and follow him. Then, walking further along, he comes across two sons of Zebedee, James and John, also fishermen, mending their nets with their father. Jesus calls them, and they too leave their boat and their father immediately and follow him. These four men show no hesitation at Jesus' command. They follow him immediately not like the man Jesus calls later in chapter eight, verse 21. This man asks to go and bury his father first before following him, to which Jesus responds, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. The story of a carpenter calling the fishermen inspired many songs, many sermons, groups, bumper stickers, Sunday school, and vacation Bible school curriculum. It speaks to one's desire to follow their higher calling, to discipleship, to work for a greater purpose, for God's kingdom. And isn't this what we're called to do? Should we not all be inspired by their willingness to forsake all, to follow Jesus, even unto death at the cross? Isn't this what discipleship means? But before we jump out of the boat too quickly into, in favor of this interpretation, let us linger in the boat a little longer. You see, all stories reveal as well as conceal. What is said and not said are both part of the same story who is absent is equally as important as who is present. And here I am interested in what is concealed, what is not said. In this call story, I am really taken with the quick response of these four fishermen. Without stopping to ponder about the implications of their actions, they get up and leave. They leave everything to follow Jesus. This story conceals any concerns they might have about their familial responsibilities. At least if they had, the storyteller does not capture them. As if burnt out by the interminable fishing routine, they spring into action almost impulsively at a glimpse of freedom from their daily labor and the readers are left wondering who will support their families if they no longer brought in the income from fishing we know that simon also known as peter is married and most probably with children because later in the matthew's gospel in chapter 8 verse 14 jesus heals peter's mother-in-law what will happen to peter's family And what about James and John? Fishing is their family business. Jesus finds them mending their nets with their father and calls them to follow him, and they do. Do you ever wonder what the father might have been thinking and feeling? Did he have any say in whether they can go? The story is silent on this. What we do know is that James and John leave their father at once to mend the net alone? How will their father continue to work the business without the strength and skills of his two young sons who will care for their family? Whatever happened to the commandment to honor your father and your mother? Now a point could be made that Jesus was making a political gesture by calling these fishermen. At the time that the Gospel of Matthew was written, fish that were caught and distributed were taxed, thus subject to Roman imperial control. So abandoning fishing can be seen as a way to resist participating in the Roman imperial economy, at least symbolically. And perhaps that is why he also called a tax collector, Matthew, as his disciple later in the Gospel. These acts, political or spiritual, have intended and unintended consequences, and I want to turn our attention to these consequences. This act of leaving everything and the absence of any thoughtful deliberations creates for me a particular ethical dilemma, a dilemma between duty and call, especially when being faithful to the call means abdicating your duty and responsibility. The readers of the story are captivated by both the authority of Jesus, who says, come follow me, and the faithfulness of the disciples to do just that. But beneath this story lurks another story that quietly questions the propriety, even irresponsibility, of their actions. So, which story do we focus on? Should they stay, or should they go? This tension between duty and call is not foreign to us, is it? How many of us wrestle with taking a much-desired opportunity that will take us away from the familial responsibilities? How many of us are in that sandwich generation with a duty to care for our aging and ailing parents as well as our children, at times failing at both, and in addition, trying to figure out where our profession and career fit in? How many of us stay in a tradition that no longer serves us, but feel duty-bound to stay and try to make it work? What we are seeing in the United Methodist Church in splitting over the inclusion of LGBTIQ persons is one such example. And I wonder too, for those of you royal watchers out there, whether this is the tension playing out for Harry and Meghan as they struggle with duty and being faithful to who they are and want to be as a couple and as a family. These are real struggles facing many of us. So, how do we negotiate all this? Well, I want to propose engage, engaging another ancient tradition and practice to help us with this negotiation. While Matthew's Gospel leans in favor of the call at the expense of the duty, I want to counterbalance this by reading this text from the perspective of the Confucian virtue of filial piety. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not proposing an uncritical acceptance of Confucianism which has contributed to gender and class oppressions for many centuries in East Asian countries where Confucianism took hold. Built on elaborate system of hierarchical relationships, Confucian philosophy structured inequality into the system, not only as natural, but essential for peace and harmony. Of the five social relationships, ruler to subject, parent to child, husband to wife, elder sibling to to younger sibling, and friend to friend, with the exception of the last category, these relationships are strictly based on hierarchy. In particular, for a woman, as a child, she has to obey her father, then obey her husband after she marries, and as a widow, obey her adult sons. Women have a life of obedience, and it somehow doesn't sit very well with me. Growing up as a Korean immigrant in the U.S., I had the space to resist and rebel against his oppressive pastoralineal practices and expectations. But I also know that it's like the air we breathe and the water we swim in. It is ever-present in our interactions, relationships, and expectations. So it is with caution that I engage the Confucian virtue of filial piety. Filial piety is central to how Confucian societies think and create human relationships. It is one of the most elemental of virtues. Motivated by a deep sense of gratitude for the care that I received from my parents, it is my duty to pay the care debt to my parents. The practice of filial piety consists of obedience, care, service, and respect of one's parents while they're alive, and proper burial, mourning, and remembrance rituals after they're dead. So James and John abandoning his father would amount to an act of filial disobedience. And from a Confucian perspective, they cannot be a good disciple if they cannot be a good son. Everything flows from filial piety. And because family was the core institution of the Confucian social order, it formed the basic economic, political, social, and religious unit. Filial piety moves from the home to the state, from obedience to one's parents to responsible citizenship. And those who do not respect their parents cannot respect others. And without filial piety, we cannot have the propriety, loyalty, discipline, faithfulness, and bravery which are important qualities of an honorable citizen to function in society. Understood in this light, James and John, having done an act of filial disobedience, could not be loyal, faithful, and brave disciple of Jesus. It makes me wonder if this is why they also abandoned Jesus too, at the time of his greatest need at the cross. Having lived my life in hybrid spaces in between the US and South Korea, between Confucianism and Christianity, between filial obedience and filial disobedience, yes, you may be surprised to hear I had a lot of disobediences, I have come to appreciate filial piety, albeit my own way. So I want to mend filial piety into the net of the dilemma I posed earlier, the dilemma between duty and call. I have come to realize that the duty of filial piety is not just a duty, it is a call. It is what we're called to be and to do. When my parents came to live with me and my partner after my mother's Alzheimer's diagnosis, caring for them and particularly caring for my mother was not simply doing my duty as a good filial daughter. No, it was a calling, my calling for that time. In that season of my life, my call was to care for my mother. My aunts and uncles constantly remarked that I was a dutiful daughter and how my partner, Kathy, consistently showed up in all the caring responsibilities. But I could not have done the endlessly difficult and emotionally painful work of caring for my mother if I hadn't understood it as my calling for that time. And this calling of mine was imposed on and shared by my partner with how to support this work have not been only lonely, but perhaps impossible. I now see it as a season of deep caring, having heard Jesus call me, come follow me. I was faithfully following the call as I was dutifully practicing filial piety. Today, we celebrate the season of Lunar New Year. As we heard earlier, it's the year of the rat, and I'm delighted because it's my year. I was born in the year of the rat. One of the Korean practices for Lunar New Year is to remember and honor our parents. For some, they perform rituals of ancestor veneration by offering food and paying respects. For others, they have a prayer service. And others visit the cemetery and pay respects to their ancestors at the gravesite. And still others visit their parents' homes to gather to eat and spend the holiday renewing the bond. And I want to recognize here that more often than not, parent child relationships can be fraught and painful. Abandonment, neglect, and abuse mark and destroy familial bonds. And some have come to choose a family of their own, apart from their biological ones. Queer families, blended families, house ballroom communities, chosen and adopted families are all part of ways, many ways, we have created a familial structure not only because the the structure supports us, but because it gives us our identity. We are who we are because of whom we are in relation to, like the Asian Pacific Islander Caucus at Union, creating the litany to locate and identify themselves in the alternate kinship network. So I want to conclude this reflection And I want to leave you with the following considerations. One, as you discern between two seemingly conflicting calls, listen to the unheard, quiet voices and concealed stories. Two, remember that a calling is lifelong, but the manifestation of that call is time-bound. Your call may look different at different times of your life. Three, warning. We should be careful not to use calling as a way to avoid our duty. Conversely, duty should not be used as a way to avoid following our call. Four, reflect on and seek out your ancestral lineage. They may be biological or spiritual. They may be given or chosen. Where do you see filial piety at work? How might you practice filial piety? Five, as a church, reflect and seek out ways to create space for these explorations and wrestlings. In the coming days and months, I invite you to reflect upon your duties and seek how they might be manifestations of your deeper call. May God grant us the wisdom and courage to mend the net of filial piety as we hear God's command, come follow me, in authenticity, and in love. Amen.
7: Good afternoon or good morning, Middle Church. Happy New Year. I um, became a member of Middle in 1997. And when I first got here, I was unemployed, unemployable. I dropped out of seminary, and when I came here, there was only one other person that looked like me. Louie Louie, see in the building? Anyway, so I came to this church at the invitation of a member of the, of the gospel choir. And what I liked about this church is that when I walked through the doors, no one asked any questions, no one cared where I had been, or what I had been through. They just welcomed me with God's love. In the early days at Middle, Chinese New Year was coming, and I would call the office and mention that the New Year was coming, and it would be a line item in the bulletin. Man, how things have changed. I think this is the ninth or 10th year of our annual Lunar New Year celebration. Thank you, Jackie. Yeah, it's now an annual worship celebration here at Middle Church. This year, we celebrate the year of the rat, my year, thank you very much. Um, and today, I also wanna lift up and celebrate Edna Bavites, who has just, just returned back from administering aid in Puerto Rico. In your bulletin today, you'll find a red envelope, which is traditional, and in previous years, we've um, donated to uh, special charities. The red envelope, um, the red envelope uh, contrib- contributions today will be given to the um, Collegiate Church Medical Brigade to the island of Puerto Rico, which as you know, continues to suffer the devastation of earthquakes Please give generously. You could put that red envelope in the offering bag as it comes around. And if you're interested in joining the church or want more information about joining the movement, please see Amanda after worship. Together we can be the movement God is calling for in this new year. Thank you.
0: Much like that, Jesus took my boys from me. I remember when he came along on that fateful day, he said, Boys, come follow, and they ran away and left me. Now I'm sitting on the beach with broken nets can't catch no fish today son-in-law, Simon, took such care of me, always so devoted to kids and family. Now he left to follow Jesus on that grand and glorious crusade. Oh, yeah, he's a big shot, all right, and that's just fine. he's gone away Do you go or do you wait Do you run or do you stay Do you move or do you stop What you gonna do today When my daughter made her changes became Joseph, she went to that church in New York City, where she knew she'd be at home, and I am her mama, and now there's not enough money, I don't know how to make it, but what have we become? Oh, do you wait? Do you run or do you stay? Do you move or do you stop? What you gonna do today? She's got the gift. I know that really well. Gotta be out there preaching But she tells me she'll take care of me As long as I'm around I know that I should tell her Go girl and do your calling I guess I'm just too lazy I like having her around Do you go or do you wait? Do you run or do you stay? Do you move or do you stop? What you gonna do today? Do you go? going to do today, what you're going to do today.
3: Let's pray. God, we feel you here today. We are so grateful for all the ways your spirit has moved through us in this space, through our gifted preachers, singers, and improvisation of song. We give you thanks. God, for the ways we've been moved to give and to respond to your call today, we are grateful. And we know now that this money will be used way beyond these walls in ways that we cannot even imagine. And it's to you that we give the thanks and the hope. Amen.
8: I want you.
3: Amen. I've asked Darren to come up, and I'm going to ask John Jenka to come up real quickly as well. And while John is coming up, I want to say a special thank you also to Rising Sun, that volunteer group that Kayede leads so beautifully. Thank you all so much. It was a beautiful gift. We want to give a special blessing to John and Jackie as they go to France. And so John and Jackie, if you will stand here first. And we will be behind you all. May the words of God be with you and around you as you go to proclaim God's good word. May the work that you do encountering race be seen as central to your calling, this specific moment for this specific time, because we know it is not separate from the work of God. You go with God's love, you go with God's grace. You go with our gratitude, and you also go with God's expectation. Middle family, the same is to you. You leave this place with God's grace, love, and expectation that every single one of you will be changemakers and will respond to the specific calls in your life. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.